Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, welcome into the show. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I want to welcome you into a very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. We'll go ahead and dive right in like I normally do. I'll recap my Power 5 locks within the within Week 10 action. This was a very bloody week for me. There were, there were X's, there were red X's all across the board when making these predictions. In the ACC, I had Virginia Tech over Boston College. BC got the victory 17-3. It surprised me. It really did. Boston quarterback Phil Jerkovic, he came back. He returned to the starting lineup for BC and provided a much-needed spark to the offense. He helped guide this team to a pretty easy victory over Virginia Tech. In this game, Jerkovic ran for a touchdown. He also was able to halt a four-game losing streak that the Eagles were currently riding on. It was looking like they were just going to lose out the rest of the way this season after some pretty high expectations for BC this season. Of course, Phil Jerkovic, he gets hurt early this season. He had a hand injury, which held him out most of the action of this season. But he came back this weekend, got a victory, and created a spark for Boston College. So great win for BC. In this game, running back, Pat Garwo rushed for 116 yards on 30 carries, and he had a three-yard touchdown run for Boston College. Virginia Tech quarterback Braxton Burmeister, I love that name, he left with an undisclosed injury in the first quarter, and he did not return to action for Virginia Tech. He had just thrown one incomplete pass before the injury, so that really derailed Virginia Tech's chances in this game. Great win for BC. It sucks for me. I got the loss there, but BC gets a victory 17-3. So I get an L in the ACC column this week. In the Big Ten, I had Minnesota. I thought they would row their boats all over Illinois, but boy, was I wrong. Illinois gets a victory 14-6 in this game. Running back for the Illini, Chase Brown rushed 33 times for 150 yards. And the Illinois defense really came up like gangbusters in this game. The defense delivered six sacks, two interceptions on Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan on their way to a 14-6 victory on Saturday. The Gophers really never found their rhythm in this game. They netted a season-low 89 rushing yards after racking up 634 yards on the ground over the previous two games. Minnesota has run really well this season and the fact that that Illinois defense came up big that's got to be huge momentum boost for this program seeking some sort of an identity moving into the last quarter of the season here and then building for next season I mean this is a huge statement game for Illinois they also had a huge game against Penn State a couple weeks ago so there's some building blocks here for Illinois and some things to look forward to if you're an Illini fan for the future this is that's great Minnesota, if we take a look at it, they still have a chance to win the West Division title. They can win out if they beat both Iowa and Wisconsin. If they can do that, they will win out and they will win the Big Ten West this season, which is great because I thought a few years ago they should have had that opportunity uh, prior COVID in 2019. It looked like they were going to be one of the darlings of 
uh, of the Big Ten and the way their season ended, it you know left a lot to be desired. But they have the opportunity this season to win out and to win the West, which would be huge for PJ Fleck and his Minnesota Gophers. Illinois, like I said, they they played very well against these ranked opponents, which is crazy because it, had they won out some of the games against opponents that weren't ranked and, and teams that were beatable, this team would probably be bowling right now. They would be bowling in the postseason. But Illinois, they have off this uh, this upcoming weekend. They visit number 19, Iowa, on November 20th. The Illini have lost seven straight games to the Hawkeyes and have not won on the road in this series in six tries since 1999. So this would be a huge momentum builder for Brett Bielema and his team if they can stun Iowa, who isn't playing well right now. We've seen them at the highest of highs, and now they are towards the uh, towards reality. They have come back down to earth, and Illinois has a shot to win that game. I'm not going to tell them they don't because we've seen what they've done against Penn State and Minnesota, respectively. So they've got a shot. Next week for the Gophers, they play Iowa this Saturday, and the Gophers are 0-4 against the Hawkeyes under P.J. Fleck and haven't won in Iowa City in nine trips there since 1999. We'll see what uh, the Gophers can do this weekend, but I got a loss in the Big Ten this week. Then in the Big 12, I got a loss here. I thought Baylor would beat TCU, but boy, was I wrong. TCU got the two-point victory over Baylor by a score of 30-28, to and Gary Patterson, longtime head coach for TCU was not on the sidelines this weekend for the Horned Frogs, but the team was able to get a victory. And it's, it's crazy. This was the first time since 1997 that Gary Patterson wasn't on the sidelines. That is crazy. That tenure is wild. You don't you don't hear about tenures that long in college football. You really don't. And that's 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 really long, 1997. But he, he has to have felt proud for his team. They got the victory. Quarterback Chandler Morris threw for 461 yards. He had two touchdowns in his first start for TCU. Morris had the fourth best passing total ever in a TCU game and the first 400-yard game since Kenny Hill's 446 yards against Oklahoma in 2016. Kenny Hill, he's now a TCU quarterback coach, which is pretty funny. Morris finished the day with 531 total yards, the second best in school history. And this is outstanding for a guy that just made his first start for TCU on Saturday. That's crazy history made by Chandler Morris. TCU, with the win, ended a three-game losing streak and had lost five of its six previous games. The Frogs are now 22-22 since the start of 2018. Jerry Kill, you know Jerry Kill. He was a former SIU coach, NIU coach, Minnesota coach. He's a, a he was a remarkable coach uh, when he was in action. He had some health issues. He had to pull himself away, but he is a he was a good coach. The former Minnesota coach took over as the interim head coach in this game. I'm not sure what TCU's decision will be for naming a new coach. I, I don't know if Jerry Kill is up for that challenge. If, if that's something that he even wants to do, but um, it was cool that he could get a victory for his old buddy. Gary Patterson, who no longer was on the team. Both sides had mutually decided to part ways. It had been a long marriage, and they both decided that this would be the time to go their separate ways. So that's cool that Jerry Kill gave that victory. That's uh, 
awesome for TCU. It sucks for my locks this week. I got a loss there in the Big 12. And then in the Pac-12, I got a victory. My only victory of the weekend. I had the Oregon Ducks over the Washington Huskies. In this game, running back for Oregon, Travis Dive rushed for a career high, 211 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Anthony Brown ran for a score and also passed for another touchdown. And Oregon overcame a slow start to beat Washington 26-16 last Saturday night. I think Washington was up like 9-3 to at one point in the first quarter. And then the Ducks just blew the doors open. Travis Dye's rushing performance for Oregon was the most yards rushing by an Oregon running back against Washington since Jonathan Stewart. That guy was a beast back in the day for the Ducks. Jonathan Stewart went for 251 yards back in 2007. So Travis Dye had 211 yards, a great rushing day by the Oregon Ducks. They own the Huskies. They really do. Because the Ducks have now beat Washington for the seventh time in the past eight games played in Seattle. Yikes, man. That's crazy. So I got a victory there in the Pac-12. In the SEC, I got a loss. Which I, this was the most surprising loss I suffered this weekend. I thought Florida would beat the doors down against the Gamecocks. But boy, was I wrong. USC got the victory 40-17 to over Florida. I did not see this coming, not by a mile. I thought this would be an easy win for the Gators, but this really could be the final nail in the coffin for Dan Mullen. Yikes, man. Florida just gave up. They gave up. The Gators entered this game averaging 242 yards a game on the ground and 483 yards of total offense, which is the third best in the SEC. But South Carolina became the first team this season to outgain them 459 yards to 340 yards. First-time starter Jason Brown, he threw for two touchdowns in this game. Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White each rushed for over 100 yards, and South Carolina's defense held the potent Gators' attack to just 82 yards rushing for the day. I mentioned Gamecocks quarterback Jason Brown. He went 14 for 24 for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Brown became the Gamecocks' third starting passer this season, and he's an FCS transfer who made his first Southeastern Conference start this past weekend against the Florida Gators. You know, this isn't, we're not talking about Vanderbilt. We're talking about a historically pretty good team. And up to this point, Florida, up to a few weeks ago, rather, Florida was looking like one of the better teams out of the conference. But boy, how the mighty have fallen. Anyways, Brown, who last played at St. Francis, an FCS school, steadily led South Carolina on five first half scoring drives for a 30-10 to lead at the halftime break. So shout out to Jason Brown, a guy that just stepped up to the challenge and got that victory for the Gamecocks. They are looking legit right now. They they just need one more win, and they will go bowling. Out of the three games they have remaining on their schedule, if they can get one more victory, they'll be bowling. So shout out to the South Carolina Gamecocks. It sucks for me, though. I got a, a loss in my top five locks. I only got one victory this weekend. I can't recall the last time I've only had one victory out of my locks for a respective week in college football. That's that's crazy, my friends. Overall, I'm 35 and 15 when making these predictions this season. I'm going to try to get it right next week, and we'll get into those locks a little bit later on in the show. 
But before I get there, I did just want to take a look at the AP Top 25 because I said it was a pretty bad week for me in making my predictions. But if you look across the Top 25 for last week, for Week 10, man, there was a lot of red on the ledger. We had number three, Michigan State, tumbling against Purdue, another giant killer. Purdue is. They beat Iowa when they were ranked number two several weeks ago. They beat number three, Michigan State. By a score of 40 to 29. That sucks for Michigan State's chances this season. And Kenneth Walker III, who was looking like a legit Heisman contender, that, that certainly has to hurt him a bit. You got number nine, Wake Forest, losing to North Carolina in a shootout, 58 to 55. And I said this on Twitter last week. I'm not rooting, I'm not rooting for UNC to win. I was rooting for Wake Forest to lose. So there's a difference there. But with the loss that Wake Forest suffered at the hands of UNC, I thought that that would count in the ACC standings, but boy was I wrong. And this is from CBS Sports. I tweeted this out, and I quote, Wake Forest's loss will not count against the ACC standings. However, as the in-state rivals scheduled this meeting as a non-conference game to keep the yearly rivalry alive, end quote. Welcome to Heartbreak. I was hoping that this loss would get NC State closer to the top of the standings NC State still has an opportunity to beat Wake Forest this coming weekend. Wake Forest has some tough opponents left on the schedule, so it could still shake out in NC State's favor, but a loss in the ACC column would have helped NC State get a little bit closer. It didn't do anything for Wake Forest. They're still at the top of the the standings right now in the conference. However, they won't go to the playoffs, most likely. Um, So, I mean, that stinks all around. ACC could have benefited from having an ACC team in the playoffs. I think this is the first time since the inception of the playoffs that there won't be an ACC team in there, a.k.a. Clemson, in the playoffs. But I'm just hoping that NC State can find a way to win the division. So there's still some games to play. This weekend is a big one, of course. But anyways, back to the original point of this. Wake Forest loses against North Carolina. Number 12, Baylor loses against TCU. Number 13, Auburn loses against Texas A&M. Number 17, Mississippi State loses against Arkansas. Number 18, Kentucky loses against Tennessee. Number 20, Minnesota loses against Illinois. And it was pretty cool at the end of the game. Did you guys see that clip of the punter? He He was celebrating. He was acting like he was rowing an oar on both sides of his body, and then he snaps the oar over his over his kneecap. It was pretty funny. But anyways, Minnesota loses there. And Fresno State loses to Boise State. They got blown out big time by a score of 40-14. to 14. Fre- Boise State wasn't even ranked. That's crazy. So, I mean, we, we saw quite a few teams take a tumble this weekend. The AP poll certainly has shifted quite a bit. I think Cincinnati, by all accounts and by all measures, is now in the playoffs, now that everyone else has lost around them, including Michigan State. So they just need to win out. They need to win out, and Cincinnati will be in the playoffs most likely. So just wanted to recap that. AP Top 25 took a stumble this weekend. If we look ahead to Week 11, my top five locks for Week 11 action within the Power 5 conferences In the ACC, I'm taking number 19, NC State, over number 13, Wake Forest. Look, NC State's my team. If I'm not going to ride for them now, I'm never going to ride for them. So this is a big prediction. NC State over Wake Forest 
The Wolfpack are just 1-8 straight up against Wake Forest since 2001 when they traveled to Winston-Salem. So this is a big test for NC State. They got to win this game. Wake Forest and that quarterback they got can put up some offense, man. Wake Forest is, they look like a legit team. I mean, I wanted to see what UNC could do against Wake Forest because I didn't think that Wake Forest had been tested up to that point. But it was a shootout last weekend. Wake Forest in, in North Carolina. Sam Hartman is a quarterback for Wake Forest, and he is quite the athlete. He has thrown for over 2,800 yards this season, 27 touchdowns to only five interceptions. If we look at NC State, he we've got a capable quarterback in Dennis Leary. This guy's from Jersey. He's thrown close to 2,500 yards this season, 25 touchdowns and only three interceptions. So this is going to be another shootout, potentially. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. This would be a huge win for NC State. I believe in y'all. Let's just take this home. Let's get this victory. Come on now. I'm taking NC State over Wake Forest. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over Baylor. The Sooners have won the last seven games over Baylor, dating back to November 14, 2015, by an average of 13.5 points. So this should be slight work for quarterback Caleb Williams and the Sooners. So get it done. Oklahoma over Baylor. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Wisconsin over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team. This has been a pretty good series as of lately between these two teams, but Northwestern is actually trending in the wrong direction, if you can believe it or not. I mean, Northwestern has not looked like itself this year. Northwestern gives up the 12th most rushing yards in the conference at 226.2 yards per game. I think Wisconsin will have a field day rushing the ball this weekend over the Cats. The Badgers put up the second most rushing yards per team out of the West Division at 222.2 yards per game. So I think the Badgers will run all over the Cats this weekend. Wisconsin over Northwestern. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Utah over Arizona. Utah is just rolling the season with a 5-1 record in the conference. They just beat up on Stanford last weekend by a score of 52-7. to where the three Utes rushed for over 100 yards respectively. So three running backs for Utah ran over 100 yards in a game. I have not heard that happening in a while. For a team to have three rushers over 100 yards is crazy. Arizona just got its first win of the season last weekend over California. So I, I think Arizona's feeling good. They got good vibes right now. But I think Utah will squash those vibes this weekend. I expect Utah running back... Tavion Thomas to have a big game this weekend. Last weekend against Stanford, he rushed for 177 yards on 20 carries with four touchdowns. Count them. One, two, three, four touchdowns over Stanford. So I think Utah will run the ball really well this weekend. Utah over Arizona. In the SEC, I'm taking South Carolina over Missouri. Look, I'm a Gamecocks guy now. I'm on the train this weekend. I think they get a win over Missouri. They've got good momentum this weekend. After beating Florida last weekend, Missouri got their butts kicked in this past weekend against Georgia. It was pretty bad. I think the Gamecocks will be riding high. They just need one more victory to become bowl eligible. And this would be a huge improvement for a team that went 2-8 and eight last season and they went 4-8 and eight in 2019. I mean, this would be huge for first-year head coach Shane Beamer. This team is rallying around him. They believe in him. And this team is on a mission. If they can get this victory this weekend, they become bowl eligible. So I am taking South Carolina over Missouri. And those are my top five locks for week 11 action. Let me run that back to you one more time. 
In the ACC, I'm taking NC State over Wake Forest. In the Big 12, I'm taking Oklahoma over Baylor. In the Big 10, Wisconsin over Northwestern. In the Pac-12, Utah over Arizona. And in the SEC, I'm taking South Carolina over Missouri. Before I get out of here, I do just want to mention real quick here, there has been a lot of noise, a lot of activity around the Temple football program, a lot of fan activity on Twitter, that is, about the state of the program for Temple football. I've got accounts following me that say Fire Rod Carry on Twitter. Like, it's it's gotten pretty bad at Temple right now. People are looking for a change. They're hoping Arthur Johnson, the first-year AD for Temple, makes a change this season. We'll see what happens. Um, Temple's got a few more games to go. This team just looks looks uh, uninspired. They looked unmotivated, and they are getting blown out. The doors are getting beat in on Temple every week. They've got a few more games to go. I'm really interested to see if they can turn it around, find a spark somewhere. But it is looking pretty bad for the Temple football program right now. And I don't know what the answer will be, but I know something has to change. Something has to change. Because there are folks in the media saying that Temple should scrap the football program and just focus on basketball. Which seems pretty crazy because they've had a, a tough couple of seasons. I'll give you that. But this program has churned out some NFL studs. This team has been competitive in years past. They've had a number of great coaches come through the doors at Temple. And the fact that people are so quick to say that it should be scrapped, the program should be scrapped, I just, I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe I'm not as close to that discussion as I need to be. But that just seems pretty ridiculous to just say we need to scrap the football program, focus on basketball. I think if Temple can get back on track, re-energize this program, I don't think this program is too far away from saving. I think it can be saved, you can turn it around, but something has to happen pretty damn soon here. Because this is ridiculous. You're getting embarrassed every week. This team looks terrible. And it's not due to a lack of player effort. I'll just say that. So we'll see what happens. Temple's got to turn it around. Something's got to happen. And I will be glued to the action for the next few weeks to see how this team improves is a hope, right? But thank you all for listening to this episode. If you can hear me, I'm a little under the weather. I'm hoping that I'm back to 100% in the near future here. But nonetheless, thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for being a friend. Next week, we've got a a brand new show coming up. This weekend should be fun. College football week 11 is here. Hope you guys have a good seat on the couch. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Look, NC State's my team. If I'm not going to ride for them now, I'm never going to ride for them. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website, cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. 
I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.